we're going to be teaching this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is where we're going to camp out. And what I want to talk about today is we're in this series is On Your Mark. We're talking about the marks of a disciple because the mission of Summit Church, if you're checking out, if you're kicking the tires of church, this series is a great opportunity to do that because we're talking about our summit, our mission, is to be a church that makes disciples that makes disciples. And so that is our goal. That's what we're hanging our hat on. That's our summit that we're trying to reach. Um, That's how we got our name um, and so on and so forth. We're trying to be a church of disciples who make disciples. And, And in order to do that, we wanted to talk about what are the marks of a disciple? If you're a disciple, what does that look like? And so we spent the last two Sundays talking about if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to have a passion for Jesus. That's number one. You've got to have a passion for the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And today and next Sunday, we're going to talk about the second mark of a disciple, which is the knowledge of the Scriptures, knowledge of the Bible. Next Sunday, living according to to the Bible. And so today is, is going to feel maybe a little more academic um, than, than, than normal Sundays, but we, we're going to go to the Word to find out uh, the truth of Scripture. And, and so we're going to talk about today, if you're taking notes, I think the title's up there, Knowledge of the Scriptures. That if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, if we're going to be a disciple who makes disciples, then we've got to have a knowledge of the Scriptures, right? Um, so, uh, to kind of illustrate this, um, I, I was thinking this past week, where do we find truth? Where do we find truth, right? And, and because there are, many, there are many lies that we could believe, and we're going to talk about that more towards the end of the, towards the, end of the message. But for example, uh, it was back in the spring, and, and I've, I've recently, and I say recently in the last year, I've, I've um, grown to like a lot, okay? I'm not going to say love because we throw love, that word out there, quite a lot, but I think I said I loved it in the first service, but I'm just going to say I like it a lot, okay? I like it a lot, okay? Um, but uh, if you got that reference, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> so proud of you. Okay, movies of the 90s. All right, um, but, uh, but I, I've grown to like seltzer water, quite a lot, okay? Like, I'm a, I'm a big seltzer fan, okay? Like, m- my wife got me a soda machine a, a, a few months ago, and it just reminded me how much she loves me. And, 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 and so I, I was curious one day, because I was drinking uh, quite a bit of seltzer water, and, um, and, and so I was curious, how healthy is this for me? Some of you have heard this story. And so I decided to do what many of us would do in this situation. I jumped on Google, how healthy is seltzer water? And I picked, uh, you know, I kind of scrolled through the first couple articles. I didn't click on any yet. And then about the fourth or fifth one, I decided, you know what, I'm going to click on this one. And I read this article, and I can't remember who wrote it. And I can't remember what, what, what uh, source it was from. But basically the gist of this article was how healthy seltzer water is for us. And in fact, one thing I remember this article saying is that seltzer water is in fact healthier than just normal water for the human body. And I said, boom, there it is, right? 
found what I needed. I went around. I was telling everybody, hey, you need to get on the seltzer train because it's healthier for you than just that normal stuff you're drinking, okay? And so I was going around. I was going around. And that worked. Well, I got some looks. I got some question marks. I just said, hey, Google, you know? And, and um, then I went and I was spending some time with a friend of mine who's a doctor down in North Carolina back in August. And he said, so, you know, what are you, what are you into? Because we, we talk about health things a lot and, and, and stuff. And we, you know, just that's what we kind of geek out on. And, and, um, and he said, so what have you, you kind of learned? What are you doing these days to keep yourself healthy? And I said, cutting edge. You probably know this because you're a doctor. In fact, he's like retiring next year as a doctor. I said, you probably already know this. I just found this out. But seltzer water is actually more healthy for you than normal water. And he started laughing. <laughs> he said, where did you hear that? And I said, Google, duh, right? Where you get all of your facts. And so he started saying, well, no, you know, let, let me tell you all the things that seltzer is actually going to do to you um, if you drink too much of it. He said, it's like anything else, anything in moderation a-okay, right? But uh, if you just drink seltzer water, you're going to experience some things that you're, you might not like. <laughs> I said, you don't know anything. And, and just, um, I chose to believe Google, right? And that's what many of us do, essentially. That's what many of us do, right? We're choosing our truth. We're choosing the truth that we want to believe. And we can find anything to support whatever it is that we want to believe. If I want to believe that seltzer is better for me so that I can justify drinking an unbelievable amount of seltzer water, I can do that, and I have. I can ignore the truth spoken into me. Chances are that's more reliable, way more reliable. I can choose to ignore that and believe the truth that I've found. And many of us do that on a day-to-day basis, don't we? We find support for the things that we want to believe to be true. And instead, we're just believing and buying into lies. Instead, we're just believing and buying into lies. And so, that's what I want us to talk about today. Where do we find truth? Where do we find truth? Because I, I believe, I believe, and I don't, I don't want to dive into this. Uh, I don't want to dive into this too much yet. But I believe we live in a world right now that is dying for truth. Searching for truth. Searching for truth in, in a world of things. And in fact, in fact, I've been, I've been really stirred lately. And I know I've said this a number of times to some groups of friends um, that I've been talking to, I just want to buy everybody a diary. Like, can we go back to the days of Dear Diary and get off trying to find social media on the internet? Like, especially, I mean, find truth in social media. It's driving me up a wall because, because, here's, because here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's not truth in that. There's not. There's not. One of the things that I read back in May is that we're raising the first generation of children today who their parents are not the primary authority in their life. Isn't that a scary thought? 
I mean, think about it. When we were growing up, when most of us were growing up, I'm seeing some younger people in the room that probably fit that a little bit, but when most of us were growing up, if we wanted to know who scored the most touchdowns in 1981, I don't know about you, but I would go to my dad. Hey, Dad, who scored the most touchdowns in 1981? And he would probably make something up. Okay? I'm just saying, all right? To make himself appear to know everything. Because to me, growing up, my dad did indeed know everything. He knew the best barbecue. He knew the best this. He knew the only this. And he knew everything, right? Most like many of us in the room. Our parents were that authority. Or our neighbor down the street. Or our Sunday school teacher. Or this person or that person. We knew where to find truth in people and authority figures in our lives. Today... My daughter wants to know how many, who scored the most touchdowns in 1981. You know what she does? Dad, can I borrow your computer? She Googles it. Or, Dad, can I use your phone? I want to look something up. Or, my favorite, Dad, I need to ask Siri something. <laughs> yeah, right? And so, and so, and so that's become... That's become the authority. And my question for us this morning is, where are we searching for truth? As the church of Jesus Christ, where are we searching for truth? Because truth is found in God's Word. And the only way, the only way, the only way, everybody say the only way. All right, good, you're with me. The only way to defeat the lies of the enemy is with God's truth. The only way to defeat the lie is with God's truth. And listen to me. Listen to me, because we think it's going to get better. Some of us in, in little circles think it's going to get better. But deceivers and false teachers are only going to get worse and worse. It's only going to get worse and worse. It's only going to get worse and worse. There will be more deception and imitation, and the only way we'll be able to tell the true from false is knowing the Word of God. The only way we'll be able to discern the truth from the false is knowing the Word of God, having a knowledge of the Word of God. Timothy, who we're going to read about this morning, uh, Timothy had been taught the Word of God from the time he was a child. From the time he was a child. And as I was reading this commentator this past week, he was quoting that some say, well, I needed the Bible when I was younger, but now that I'm older, I can do without it. How wrong is that? We need guidance of the Word far more than ever. Why? Because we face more temptations and decisions today than maybe we ever have. As we get older, we face more temptations and decisions. As we get older, we face more temptations and decisions. Let me prove it to you. We were sitting in men's breakfast yesterday, and it was, it, it, we had some guys just really sharing openly and honestly. And, and, um, and, and a couple of the guys shared, you know, as I get older, I'm tempted to kind of, you know, uh, check out or figure out where my place is in church or, or, or this or that. And so these things may not apply to me the same as they used to apply to me. But but let me remind you, if you're still breathing, you want to check on your neighbor? If you're still breathing, God still has a plan for you. God still wants to use you. No matter your age, no matter your background, no matter you insert, God still has a plan for you. We never outgrow the Word of God. We never outgrow the truth of the Word of God. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 14 through 17 this morning together. And it goes a little like this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned 
and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In this passage, we see some statements. We see about five statements that I want to point out this morning about the Scriptures, about the Word of God. Number one, they're the Holy Scriptures. The Bible is, are the Holy Scriptures. The sacred letters there, as it says in verse 15, it says, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, the sacred letters, the sacred writings. That phrase there, the sacred writings, is a literal translation the word holy, the holy scriptures, they're the holy scriptures. The word holy means consecrated for sacred use. It means set apart for sacred use. The Bible is different than any other book. Even books of the Bible, I mean, excuse me, even books about the Bible, the Bible is different than any other book because it has been set apart by God for a purpose. It's been set apart by God. First Thessalonians chapter 2 says this, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but, a, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you believers. The Bible is living and active. It's the Holy Scriptures. It's different than any other book, even books about the Bible. There is something about, and if you've ever done this, you know and you could testify in this place this morning, there is something about plugging into the living Word of God. There is something about plugging into the living Word of God that's different than any other reading. And, and I love reading. Before, um, um, before we had four kids or, or, or even three kids or, or whatever, I really enjoyed Reading. I love reading. My, I, I like reading. I've got a big stack of books right now that I'm trying to read and, 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 and get through. Um, and, and yet, there is nothing like, to me, sitting and plugging my life into the Word of God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. The, the Scriptures are holy. They're the holy Scriptures. Number two, the Scriptures lead us to salvation. Now, Listen to this before we get too ahead of ourselves. We are not saved by believing the Bible. We do not get saved. We do not become a Christian. We do not uh, secure our eternal uh, destination in heaven by believing the Bible. If you hear that this morning, you're hearing me wrong. We get saved by trusting the Jesus in the Bible. We get saved by trusting that Jesus revealed in the Bible. See, the Bible reveals God's wonderful plan of salvation, that Jesus died for our sins. That Jesus died for our sins. We can even go back to the Old Testament. We say this very often, that the Old Testament, the Old Testament are all the writings searching for a sacrifice worthy to pay the debt of humanity. They couldn't find it. Fast forward to the New Testament. Boom, Matthew, the birth of Jesus Sacrifice worthy for the debt of us. The Bible reveals God's wonderful plan of salvation, that Jesus died for our sins. If we trust Him, notice that's different. We're not trusting the Bible. We're trusting the God, the Savior of the Bible. He 
will save us. 1 John chapter 5 puts it this way. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe this does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son, Jesus. Verse 12, whoever has the son has life. I want you to get that. I want you to underline that. I want you to start that. If, you're, if you've got your Bibles, flip over to 1 John chapter 5. You can see it right there. Whoever has the son has what? Life. Man, that's awesome. Jesus even says in, in the Gospels that, that all, there are many other signs and wonders written, or excuse me, that were done that aren't in this book, that aren't in the Bible, but these are written, these are recorded that you may have a life. See, the Bible happened, God's gift to us, this love letter happened so that we could experience life. Not so that we could, and, and, and here's the temptation, not so that we could come and sit and be bored as we listen to uh, 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 sermons and preaching about the Word of God. No, 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 no. This Bible was put together and given and protected sacred so that you might experience life. That's why we get a little excited about the Bible here. There's nothing important I can say. There's nothing important anybody else in this room can say apart from the Bible that will give you life. The Bible brings life. The Bible brings life. And that's pretty amazing to think about, right? Because think about all the other places we try to find life that aren't Scripture. Think about all the places where we try to protect and preserve and, and find answers and, and, and like we're talking about this morning, find truth that aren't Scripture. But this is life. In this, you find life. Uh, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13, I, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know, that you may have the assurance, that you may know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. Wow. Man, that's awesome. That's amazing. That you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. So the Bible gives us this assurance of salvation as it lays out the plan of salvation. And then the Bible becomes our spiritual food to nourish us so that we might grow and serve Jesus. Number three, the scriptures are true and dependable. The scriptures are true. And dependable. Look at verse 16. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Your translation may say, All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is breathed out by God. See, the Holy Spirit of God, which we did a whole series through the Holy Spirit back in June, probably one of my favorite series I've done in a long time, maybe apart from this one, because this has been a lot of fun already. The Holy Spirit of God used men to write the Bible. 
And God, in His providence, prepared the writers for the task of writing the Scriptures. See, but we must not think of inspiration the same way as we do, we must not think of this inspiration the same way that we do, say, when we talk about Shakespeare and how he was an inspired writer. What we mean by inspiration when it comes to the Scriptures is that there was a supernatural influence from the Holy Spirit on the Bible's writers. And I'm talking about over different continents, over the span of years and years and years, many different writers, and yet they all agree on the same thing. There's not one contradiction throughout the entire Scriptures. There had to be, there had to be an inspiration that was not these men, that were not these people writing the scriptures, which guaranteed that they wrote accurately and trustworthy. So, the scriptures are true and dependable. They're God breathed. And then, number four, we see that the scriptures are profitable. They're profitable uh, for reproof, for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness. The Scriptures are useful. They're profitable. They're profitable for what is right. They're profitable for what is not right. They're profitable for correction, how to get right. They're profitable for instruction, how to stay right. They're profitable for what's right, what's not right, how to get right, how to stay right. That's what the Bible is profitable for. A person who studies the Bible and applies what they learn will grow. Everybody say will. Will grow in Christ Jesus. Will grow in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, the Scriptures equip us for service. I love verse 17. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Two words I want to point out to you here. Complete and equipped. Complete and equipped. The first word, complete. It means perfect. Completeness, perfect. In fit shape, in fit condition. It doesn't begin to suggest sinless perfection, but implies being fitted for use. Being fit, being in fit condition, in fit shape. Friday, uh, the family and I decided to take a trip to the Freiburg Fair with the rest of the state of Maine. And... Um, and, uh, and we, we, we finally got there, and we go in, and Kristen and I had, had kind of decided on the way there, while we were looking at the beautiful trees, we, we kind of decided, you know what, today, today we're just going to, we're going to find that one thing, just that one thing that you should never put in your body um, that's horrible for you, but it's the fair, right? It's the Freiburg Fair. And we're going to look for that one thing. And so we were, you know, we had walked around, and it was towards the end of the day, and, and everybody was kind of done, right? And we're done, done with, the, with the crowds of the fair. And, and we were looking, still looking for that one thing, because we just hadn't really found that one thing that we wanted. And then the glory of the Lord showed up <laughs> over this truck that had fried Twinkies. <laughs> I hear a testimony right here <laughs> in the front. Okay? Fried Twinkies, right? They had the fried Oreos. I've, I've been down that road. I wanted something a little bit different. Now, I saw some of your faces. Some of you were like, that's gross. <laughs> Don't judge until you try it. Okay? Let me tell you something. 
don't judge a book by its cover. Because I went up, I said, sir, I'd like to get a fried Twinkie, right? Fried Twinkie. I didn't care how much it cost. I was like, I just want a fried Twinkie. And, uh, and he said, all right, you'll be the only one. I said, you bet I am. You bet I am. So when they call out the fried Twinkie, you just you come. That's yours, right? It's yours. And I said, all right. So I don't have to fight anybody off, really. And I was kind of sizing up some people, making sure that nobody tried to take my fried Twinkie, okay? Because it's the Freiburg Fair. Some of you have been there. All right. So, um, and so, you know, I watched them take the Twinkie out of the wrapping, put it down in the fryer, right? Set there for a couple minutes. They bring it up. It's just dripping with goodness, greatness. <laughs> Somebody said, did you find the fried butter in between services? And I'm like, that's a thing. Like, I draw the line right there. I draw, <laughs> that's the line, right? And, and so, got the Twinkie, and I'm just telling you, man, the heavens opened up. I heard the angels singing, and it was amazing. It was amazing. And that's not even the point of the story. Um, but, you know, we had, we had walked around, and, um, and we walked around, and one of the games that we saw, one of the games that we saw, and I'd never seen this game before, but one of the games that we saw is there were these, there were these pull-up bars, right? And if, and if you hang on to a pull-up bar for two minutes, you get your pick of any prize, right? And, of course, they had the biggest prizes there, the pull-up bar game, right? Just hang on to it, two minutes, Nothing, right? I do that all the time. Um, and no, not, no, that's not true. Um, I can't lie. All right. But, you know, I thought, man, that, that can't be too hard. So we're kind of standing there. And, of course, the kids, they're, they're tugging on me. They're like, Daddy, you can do this. You're strong. You're fit. You go to the gym. Hop up there. Do this, Daddy. You can do it. You can win that thing for me. But then I started thinking, okay, if I do it one time, I'll have to do it two times. If I do it two times, I gotta do it three times. Vera's probably too young to remember if I disappoint her and don't get her the toy. <laughs> and so I'm looking at six minutes on this pull-up bar. I, and so I'm doing the math and I'm watching these guys go up and they can't even hang on for 30 seconds, right? But I'm really close to pulling the money out of my pocket and doing this thing because I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, my, my kids, they're building me up. Daddy, you're strong, you're fit, you go to the gym. You know, you, you, know, you do this, you can do this, Daddy, win me that sloth. <laughs> and then I watched the guy get up there who I thought, all right, he, he can probably do this. He could probably hang on for two minutes. He gets up there, 30 seconds in, he starts yelling, oh, the bar's turning, the bar's twisting. Oh, no, and he, he drops. And I'm like, girls, your daddy is strong, but he's also smart. I'm smarter than this bar. And because of that, I ain't getting up there. Um, but it felt, it felt good. It felt good. For my girls to look at me and say, Daddy, Daddy, you're strong. You can do this. I know you can do this. I know you can do this. Right? I know you can do this. I want my daughters, my kids, my family. I've got a lot of my family sitting over here. And, and, and we, you know, there's nothing more important to me than for my family at the end of the day to hunger and thirst for the truth that only comes from Scripture. 
Not because I said it. Not because I can hang on a pull-up bar for 15 seconds or whatever. But that we desire and hunger and thirst for the truth of Scriptures, knowing that that's the only place we'll find completeness truly. Plus, they know to never be humiliated at the Freiburg Fair in front of everybody by dropping off a pull-up bar. But it's easy to be complete in some ways, right? I mean, it's easy to be complete. It's easy to look and have it together and say, man, I'm, I'm complete. I've got the career. I've got the job. You know, I do this. I do that. When inside... Things are falling apart. And what Paul is telling Timothy is, all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in progress, that you may be complete. Complete. Fit for service. Fit for parenting. Fit for marriage fit for your career, fit for this, fit for that. You insert the blank. But that comes from the Word of God. Nowhere else. Don't believe the lie that we can manufacture that in other places. So that you may be complete. And then number two, the second word, equipped. Ready for service. The Bible equips us so that we can live a life for God and do the work He wants us to do. The better we know the Word of God, the better we're able to live and work for God. I heard a story a few years ago. I was in North Carolina, and we rented our offices from this guy by the name of Lester Shelton. And Mr. Shelton, Mr. Shelton was a Gideon. Some of you may have heard of the Gideons before, and the Gideons, they go around to hotels and public places and different places and they try to, what they measure every year is how many, how many, um, uh, how many Bibles that they get um, into, into the world, into, into communities. And Mr. Shelton was going around on a Monday morning and he heard a story that had happened on Friday night and he was so overwhelmed that he needed to come in and, and tell us. We weren't his pastors. He didn't come to our church. He went to another church down the road. Um, but he was just driving by and he felt the need to come in and share the story that he had just heard. That Friday night, this young man went and got a hotel room, got the key to his hotel room, goes into the room, sits down on the bed and starts writing his note. Starts writing his note. You know what he used to write his note? This Gideon Bible that was sitting right on the little table in between the beds. So he's writing on the note. He had been raised in church. He had been brought up in church. and So he decided before he pulled the trigger that he was going to give God one more chance. God, if you're real, speak to me through your scripture. He opened that Bible. I wish I could tell you the verse he opened to and and, and all of that, but he read the Bible. He read a couple verses. He put the Bible down. He called his dad, he called his mom, and he called his wife and said, you've got to get to this hotel right now. And that night he gave his life to Christ. That Sunday morning he was baptized. And that Bible saved his life. 
There wasn't anybody else in the room that said, hey, this is what you do with this. This is how you use this. This is what this means. No, 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 no. God spoke to him through the Scripture. And God wants to do that with each and every one of us every single day. God wants to speak to you through the Scriptures. Oh, but Travis, it just feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. I'm not plugging into the Word of God. You know what James says about that? If you want wisdom, let him ask of God. But when you ask, ask in faith. Don't ask in doubting, because the one who doubts is like a wave tossed to and fro from the sea. When you ask, ask in confidence, because we say it all the time when it comes to church, but what about with the Scriptures? God will meet you at the level of your expectation. And so God, I expect you to speak through your word to me today as I open your scriptures as I open your text I don't need another pastor I don't need a friend I don't need my I don't need anybody I need you to speak to me through the scriptures and I'm asking you in faith I'm asking you in confidence I'm believing that you're going to do it and so do it speak to me well I don't know where to start okay well, you know what? I was thinking this morning. How do we take away all the excuses? One way is grab somebody next to you. Say, hey, I'm struggling in the Scriptures. Can we just go somewhere and read the Bible together? And I would be willing to bet that somebody in here would take you to do that. But if that's not enough, or if you're saying, you know what? I, I just don't feel right about that. This may seem a little elementary, but we're going to go here. How many of you have ever heard of an app? Great. There's an app for everything, right? And a few years ago, I, I, I'm being serious about this. A few years ago, this church, LifeChurch.tv out in Oklahoma, they put out this app. You know what it's called? The Bible app. Okay? Some of you are using it right now in front of you on your smartphone or your tablet. It's fine. It's great. We welcome that, okay? As long as you have the Bible in front of you, all right? And, and so on, if you go to the Bible app, you can call it version or Bible app, right? It looks like this. It's got the Holy Bible, okay? And you click on that app. You come up. Help, right on the front page, help me find a plan. Yes, please. Literally, that's what it says. Yes, please. <laughs> Show me plans for love, grace, men, women, healing, marriage, peace, anxiety, hope, trust, forgiveness, fear, Prayer, anger, wisdom, joy, depression, purpose, doubt, through the Bible, biblical study. Does that help? Depression. Recommendation. The spiritual warfare battle plan. God's promises for the hungry. Ten-day devotional. I'm up to, you know... All, the, all these, I mean, I'm just scrolling through. I've got all these devotional plants right here, and you can start it. And then guess what? It reminds you every day at the same time that you pick to open it and go through the Word of God. Is this everybody's answer? No. But if you've been struggling with where to start in the scriptures, it's free. It's right here. Well, Travis, I just can't go buy a devotional, I can't go spend the money. It's free. And if you don't know how to use an app, Somebody in here will. They'll show you. They'll give you a tutorial before you leave today. Just make sure they're a little younger and you'll, they'll take care of you. <laughs> okay? But seriously, we can plug into the Word of God. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need any type of, any type of that to plug into the Word of God. You just need the desire and the discipline. 
and it will change your life. And in the case of Mr. Shelton sharing that story, it saved that young man's life. I'd love to know where he is today. I'd love to know where he is today. So as the worship team comes, here's what I want to ask you. On a scale of 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your relationship with the Bible? One being, I barely bring it on Sundays. It never, it never opens. It's a great, you know, mantelpiece or something like that. You know, whatever. Coffee table. sits on the coffee table. I look at it from time to time. But I don't ever open it. Ten being, man, I am plugged into the Word of God. If you've ever been around um, Lois Hardy back here, she probably can't stand that I'm doing this, but she did it in first service. She's sitting under the thermostat back there. You'll find her in the welcome center right after the service. But Lois is a person that you know has just been in the Word of God. It's amazing. Because it's almost like she doesn't read the Word of God for herself anymore. She reads it for all the people that she needs to call that day. Because she'll read something that morning and she'll call, I don't know how many people, and she'll say, hey, I was just reading this this morning that made me think of you. And it's unbelievable how on time and perfect, it's scary. It's, it's almost like God's moving behind the scenes. Like almost. A couple more situations and I'll really believe it but it's it's almost like there's a master like an orchestrator behind the scenes is doing this that knows what I need so God gives it through a servant like Lois and there's others but if you were to sit here this morning and say my relationship with the Bible is a four my relationship with the Bible is a six my relationship with the Bible is a two what commitment do you need to make right now before you leave this place to go from a three to a four? Don't, don't leave this place. Don't, don't leave this place. Don't set yourself up for failure and leave this place and say, all right, inspire, unless God clearly speaks to you and calls you to this. Don't, don't leave here and say, okay, I'm going to read the Bible from Genesis through Revelation before next Sunday. <laughs> Don't do that unless God really calls you to that. Or don't hear me say, hey, go start a reading plan. Don't Go do the Bible in a year. Don't do that because then it'll just become a checklist. Then it'll just become something you're trying to read and like, all right, I got to get this in. I got to do this. I got to get this in. And it becomes just another task. I've started, I've started the last couple weeks just instead of when I'm driving... Uh, to and from different places instead of listening to music I'll plug my phone in I'll put a sermon on or I'll put the Bible on audio and just look for one phrase just one thing you know what it was this past week all scriptures God breathed and useful not only all scriptures from God but it's useful the Bible is useful in my life it's the greatest tool that I have as a person as a husband as a father as a pastor it's the greatest tool I have, and I don't want it to collect rust like the rest of my tools do in my garage. But what's your relationship with the Bible?
And what would it take for you to go from a four to a five, from a one to a two, from a negative 10 to a zero? What would it take? And are you willing to make that commitment this morning for yourself and for the God that gave you the scriptures?